0: Hi and welcome to the first episode of Season 3 of the Making the Media Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Wilson. Welcome back if you've heard us before and if this is your first time listening, then it's great to have you join us for another season of in-depth discussions with the people who are making the media. We are starting off this season actually very close to home here at Avid with a discussion with our Chief Executive Officer, Jeff Rosica. Jeff has been CEO since February 2018, having joined the company five years earlier. He has more than 30 years experience in broadcast media and entertainment technology, which includes a variety of senior leadership roles across the industry. He's also board chairman of the Boston Arts Academy Foundation. With the industry undergoing constant transformation, there's a lot to discuss. So I began by asking Jeff to assess the scale of the challenge facing the broadcast and media industry as the media landscape continues to evolve.
1: This is unprecedented. The the amount of change going on between how business is changing and and how that informs the operational requirements of, of companies in broadcasting media And and the technology shifts going on, I mean, I I remember my industry, maybe one or two shifts were going on. I remember, you know, we went to file-based and we went to to digital first and then file-based and then went to HD. And so there was, it was usually like a couple of technical shifts. Today, it's unprecedented what's going on. I mean, people are, again, changing their business, changing their business models, how that informs their organization and the transformations they have to go through. And just the, the massive amount of technology shift, whether it's going to IP or going to uh, 4K UHD workflows or dealing with Dolby Atmos or dealing with you know streaming services. I mean, it goes on and on and on with what's going on in the industry. And so I think what customers are coming to us with is pretty consistently. The other thing I would say, Craig, is that as you travel the world, I remember it, across my career, there were different things going on around the world. People in different parts of the world had different priorities when you look today, it is pretty, I think you would say the same thing. It's pretty consistent from customers with what they're looking for. They're trying to deal with this massive amount of transformation they have to do as a business, how they're going to leverage technology strategically with so many technology shifts going on, and how they're going to really just create more content more efficiently. I mean, almost everybody, you know, as they launch more direct-to-consumer models or streaming models, they are looking for ways to get more efficient uh, to create really high-quality content in, in a much faster More economical way because they've got to do more and and I think um, I think that you know drove drives a lot of demand around things like working flexibly and working with people in a very distributed way and you know obviously COVID I'm sure we'll talk about that it it really helped as an industry I think kind of understand what was possible in this kind of distributed way of working so yeah it's it's, uh, but pretty consistent what I'm hearing whether I'm in Japan recently actually I was in Japan some of our colleagues were but I was in Germany I've been in Finland UK And uh, around the US, I've been starting to travel again pretty extensively after COVID. And it's a pretty consistent message we're hearing. And do you think that the the other thing that they're having to deal with is
0: changing consumption models where, you know, there there are so many more channels that are potentially available, whether that is traditional linear television or whether it's online or it's video on demand? Is is that also driving the kind of change that they're having to, to, to cope with?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's to, to the point exactly, Craig. Is that the direct-to-consumer models or the ability, you know, to get to your viewers in a in a more um, direct way, has really opened up a lot of new ways for people to get content to to. The consumer, but conversely, it's created a lot of demand. The appetite for for high quality content has never been uh, uh, more um, or, or as large as it is today as an industry. So, what the pressure that puts on, I think, most broadcasters and media companies is they've got to produce more content, as I said before. And but how are they going to do that in a more efficient way? They can't spend the same amount of money per minute as they were spending before creating that content. So, they've got to do it in a in a in a much more Efficient way, but the demand is for higher quality, not just higher quality in resolution or or audio. It's actually higher quality storytelling and higher quality uh, in information gathering. And so it's interesting to see that people have to figure out ways to do things again much more efficiently.
0: Yeah, I think there was a sense a few years ago that you know, YouTube was going to be full of cat videos. And I think yes. it still is full of cat videos, but it is that high quality end of, of content that I think has surprised people and is, and is driving so much within the industry. And I, one area that, that has also come up when I've spoken to some people is just about coping with that demand simply from a talent perspective about having enough people to, to to create that kind of content. And also I'm wondering what customers are saying to you about the sheer amount and volume of content that they're having to produce.
1: Yeah, I think most are struggling with that volume uh, question. And I think, it, you know, one of the key points you make is around talent is what I do hear consistently is that they're having trouble finding talent, especially wherever they are locally. I mean, it, you know, they've had an, an issue with trying to find enough production people and editors and, you know, audio mixers and just, you know, g- generally people, you know, across the entire spectrum of, of positions across the production. And I think that they were, we were facing that problem before, you know, COVID came. I think what COVID, COVID was a disastrous situation for the world. But one thing it did teach our industry is you really have to figure out a way to work collaboratively in a distributed way because, they, you know, obviously COVID forced people to work remote, remotely. But what it also did is it, I think it made people realize, you know, I can work with people somewhere out in another corner of the globe, or another part of the region of the country I'm in, and I, and I think what people have, have seen is that you know this kind of you know gig economy, which has been expanding over the years, and the ability to really you know get to workers, whether they're freelance or whether they're employees, get to people wherever they are, and get more talent to help them produce content. That that has helped. I would say though that that's still going to be a problem long term. In near term, I think it's good that that, you know, people who want to be in this industry can get a job and work probably with almost anybody around the world because there's you know so much as possible remotely. But we are going to run out of talent. I, I really have to say, from my perspective, when I look at the, um, the the forecast of how much content is going to continue to be produced, the increase in production that's going to happen over the next, you know, three to five years, and you look at the amount of talent coming into our industry, no matter what the role is, we're, we're really, I think, going to have a I think the shortage we have in talent today is only going to get exponentially worse in the coming years. So I think from a technology company perspective, we have to help figure out ways to be able to leverage the talent much again much more efficiently. How do we get any member of the talent to to uh, be able to get more more done? And so whatever we can do to make more efficient workflows, to automate processes, to do anything we can. You know a lot of people talk about AI and they talk about how AI is going to potentially remove jobs. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it really is how to get more mundane tasks off the plates of creative people or production people. And how do we do that in a way that can give people a, a lot more possibility to, to leverage their talent? Because it, I, there's going to be a, a tightening of talent in, in the future. That I think it's one, one prediction I'll make that I feel pretty strongly about. Is it also the case that because of the
0: sort of distribution of talent, that another huge challenge people face is actually around change management? It's actually about trying to organize themselves. So it's not just the technology. It is about how do you create team? How do you create that sense of working together when people are apart? Is is that something you feel people are wrestling with as well?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, even us, even Abbott as a company, is is in the middle of a big transformation. Um, really become much more digitally savvy, cloud first, you know, you know, mobile first kind of company. But there's so many changes we're having to face as a company as we get more modern and more digital, and how we not just the products and services we 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 produce or we offer, but also just how we operate as a company. I think what we have to do is probably a, a fraction of what most broadcast media companies have to face. This change, as I talked about before, Craig, the, the this monumental amount of change going on in, in our industry and, and what people are dealing with or our customers are dealing with requires massive transformation, as I said earlier, And that transformation to be successful takes change management and it takes transformational management. And I think that's a a big need for our industry. I I mean, as a technology supplier, we do our best to try to help our customers manage that transformation. But, you know, I think it's going to require a a much broader look at at change management and transformational management again uh, as an industry. Uh, It's critical. It's critical to success. You can deploy a lot of technology, but as you said, Greg, if you can't look at the organizational aspects and the cultural aspects and the operational aspects of it, um, you know, technology investments can fail if not, if not deployed properly and, and deployed in a way that people can transform what they're doing.
0: One other, one other area where you know, the industry is, is transforming, and I think just generally our lives is transforming, is around the use of subscription. So for example, now you know, I think most of us at home have got some kind of subscription service for whether it's Netflix or Disney Plus or you know, one of the others that's that available to us. So it's part of our normal lives. But it's also something within the industry that's changing in terms of a subscription model as opposed to traditional CAPEX and OPEX. Is is that a a change that you've seen accelerate again through the course of the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, there are people, there's still a lot of debate around subscription models versus, you know, more traditional uh, old fashioned kind of perpetual and hardware purchase upfront models. I think the reality is: look, it, the industry is becoming much more of a subscription economy, as you said. You know, as our lives as consumers, but but also, if you look at most IT organizations, a lot of what they deploy and have been deploying for years has been subscription based or or pure SaaS based, which is really on demand based. Um, our industry really is it, just, I'd say in the early days of making that transition. And I think it's a good thing for the industry. I, I, obviously, it's good for, for everybody. It's a win-win for the for the suppliers of the industry, but it really is important for the customers, the consumers of these technologies. The reason I say that is that if you look forward to the business models people are dealing with, as you said earlier, Craig, people are producing a lot more content. I think the old model where I went and dropped, you know, spent a million dollars or a couple million, you know, pounds or euros, you know, on, a, on an installation or sometimes more to start a new show or a new channel. People can't do that now today. They need to be able to try things. And if they don't work, move on to the next thing. They've got a lot more of a, of a trial kind of mentality. And and also there's so much, as we talked about, to create more content. There's so much a demand on that. But capital budgets can be strained. And, and, you know, capital budgets often can't handle the kind of um, requirements that we see in the industry today. What subscription does is, is a number of things. One is it people forget that it really reduces substantially the upfront costs of deploying technologies into an environment. And so it allows people to, as I said earlier, to start up channels or start up programs or or, or shows and try a show. And if it doesn't work out, they can they can stop subscription or they can stop consuming, you know, on-demand SaaS environments. Um, but it really does help that. Secondly, it really variabilizes the cost base so that, you can you can really kind of match the cash flow. I mean, a lot of people debate OPEX versus CAPEX, but I think that debate is kind of the wrong debate to be having, to be honest. Those are just ways in which you treat things on a P&L or a balance sheet of a company. In the end, cash is cash. It's all about cash. It's all about the cash that people spend. And if you can you know, have that cash go out over time, better match to the income that you're getting as a broadcaster or media company, that's a benefit. Um, and, and so that's important and I think that you know and everyone talks about this which I think nobody would debate, is our industry often has to burst to do special events Olympics or you, you know the Olympics well, Craig you you've worked a lot of them, but whether it's you know elections or or, or special sporting events, um, you name it, the ability to subscribe and, and add capacity during those times is also a real benefit, that variability uh, aspect. So I really think it's I think it's overdue for our industry. I think it's a perfect, type of business model and a, and a way to deploy technology. And I think it's, you know, just for us as a company, it's taking off very, very rapidly, not just for individual creative consumers, but also for enterprise customers. And I think, I think the whole industry, you know, put the debates aside, I think the whole industry will move to this over time. And I'll just say, wrap it up on, on this point by saying, if you're gonna to go to the cloud, you have to be subscription-based. That's by default what it is. You know, it is either a software subscription you're deploying in your own tenancy in the cloud, or it is a SaaS, which is a, a basically on-demand subscription. So I think the reality is the industry has to go there, especially if they want to embrace the cloud as, they, as I think the industry does.
0: You kind of preempted my next question, Jeff, because that was exactly where 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 we're going to head for is is looking at the looking at the cloud, and you know I think a few years ago I think people saw the cloud as like maybe a panacea; it was going to solve everyone's problems, um, and you know we're going to do transform everything there. And we've gone through periods where I think people have been a little bit suspicious about it, the concerns about security, what does it mean for my workflows? Where do you think we are now in that kind of journey to the cloud? It, it, it's being embraced for some workflows, but, but not all. You know, Where do you think we sit at the moment?
1: Well, I think it, it feels like in the last you know, two, three years, the, the whole debate around security and, and trusting it, I think that's been resolved. I think people really do understand that these environments, while they're not perfect, They are they are way more capable from from a scalability and from a security standpoint than any broadcast media company can do in their own back room or in their own, you know, uh, plant infrastructure. I think it's now just the the normal transition you would see where people are looking at economics and looking at workflows and looking at really how to best fit their business requirements uh, with the cloud. I think everybody realizes they're going to have to leverage the cloud in some way. They do today, I, it's probably not a company in the world that doesn't leverage cloud in some part of, its, part of its infrastructure. So I think we're just in that transition mode and I think people are starting to really realize the benefits of what cloud can bring people. Um, look, it's just a technology. I mean, it's you it, know everyone talks about it being a panacea. It's just a unique way to deploy technology that gives a lot more flexibility for people, but also gives the ability to scale differently, to go global in a much more efficient way. To enable, you know, remote workflows or distributed teams to collaborate. I mean, there's so many things it does. There is a cost element for sure, and people are always checking the economic model of a given, of moving a given workload or workflow to uh, to the cloud. But it also is an, an enabling technology that enables things that, uh, again, if we want to really, as an industry, go to much more of a distributed team virtualized environment, cloud is a, you know, whether that's a cloud in your in your back room, a private cloud, or whether that. Is a public cloud, cloud technologies are, are crucial to realize, I think, the, the uh, strategic direction our industry needs to take as a, as a whole. So I
0: think another question that it kind of prompts is that if you simply want to continue what you're doing today, but do it in the cloud, you're probably not going to realize the benefits that can actually come from that. I guess it goes back to that transformational question about, you know, what is it you really want to do to, to take advantage of it and then getting a picture of actually what that TCO is really understanding yeah. the economics of it compared to what you're doing perhaps on-prem.
1: Yeah, I think look, if, if what people have to remember, I say this all the time to customers, and it's interesting how many haven't really thought this through completely, but I'll say here it may, it may be obvious to some customers and maybe be or, or or industry people are listening to this podcast. But when you when you outsource your infrastructure to a cloud provider, a hyperscale provider like Microsoft or AWS or Google or pick your provider. You are outsourcing everything. You're outsourcing not just the storage or the, you know, CPUs or infrastructure. You are outsourcing the racks, the power, the air conditioning, the building, the people, the security infrastructure. It's all being outsourced in that environment. If you're not going to be really moving those costs to that provider, if you're still going to keep the buildings you have and all the real estate footprint you have. If you're going to keep all the people and keep all of the infrastructure that you have, you're not going to save money. I mean, it's going to be expensive in that comparison. but I think if you look at a real TCO where you where you are transforming, as you said, Craig, and you're really moving that off into uh, another provider, it does give a a real good TCO economic benefit in the in the long run. And it really, I think aligns to what most media companies really want to get to is what is their core competency? Media companies and broadcasters, I, I would argue, their job is content and everything else, is just a must have. I mean, it's you, you need the technical, technical infrastructure to do this, right? You need certain, you need people, you need a lot of things, but their job is to tell stories, whether that's entertaining people or informing people or educating people or just enlightening people. It's, it's that's their job. And so I, I think it, they have to think about what their core, core competency is. Is it building technology infrastructure or is their core competency really just creating content and think about maybe some of the infrastructure should be you know, put off into the cloud. Not saying every workflow or every workload makes sense in the cloud right now today, it will over time. But I think we're in that mode where people need to analyze their transformation plans and where do they see their three and five year plan for a company and and build a build a plan to get there over time because it will be, I think it will be commonplace five years from now.
0: Yeah, I still think a lot of places are going to look at a hybrid model, you know, we've still got studio oh, yeah. infrastructure, but we do some things in the cloud. And, you know, that's part of the journey, I guess, to, to, to get there. What I wanted to ask now really was about innovation within the industry, because mm-hmm. if you are going to transform, then, you know, innovation is, is kind of critically important um, as well. What, what do you think are the key areas where innovation can help that kind of transformation?
1: Well, I think, I think as an industry, we have to be a little careful, again, being on the technology side my whole career, um, seeing how much is going on in the industry. It can put a lot of demands, not just on an Avid, but on every supplier across our industry in a lot of innovation required across the board. And we, I think as an industry, we probably have to – now's more really important time to be really well aligned with what do we need this year? What do we need next year? What do we need three years out? If we if we go in too many directions at once in the industry, I think we'll slow ourselves down. I think you know having these these discussions and constant dialogue, something we're doing very often with you know the ACA or the Avid Community Association, we just as you. Craig, we were both in London at a recent event, and having that dialogue with customers is so important because we've got to keep our innovation plans aligned to the real priorities. Because again, you can you can end up innovating in, in fifty different ways right now as an industry, and and just it just slows you down or it gets you defocused. I think for when we look at it from as a company, I think what we look at is again back to the core message we talked about at the beginning of the podcast: is people are looking to do more with less or do more with the same amount. And, and so they've got to get more efficient. They've got to look for new ways to get jobs done. They've got to look for new ways for teams to collaborate. They've got to look for ways for people to work in more flexible ways. How do they get workflows more efficient? Um, and, and so it, how we can innovate in how people, how we virtualize teams, how teams can work in a distributed way, how we can handle the more complex workflows, but in more efficient ways. I think how we leverage AI and ML techniques to, to, to meet all that. I think that's where the key innovation is um, needed as a, as a, as an industry. And then I, I would say how people are, people think about storage or how, you know, where am I going to put my, my metadata or where am I going to store my content, whether it's raw or whether it's finished? I think that whole paradigm is shifting drastically. And I think people are going to be thinking about data with a big D and how do they, how do they capture all the data they need to drive their business and whether that's, you know, content, whether that's metadata, whether that's other types of data. But how do you manage that in a, in, a, in a distributed world? And it's going to get more complex If managing you know data, whether again from, from audio and video content to metadata. Managing that in today's environment is already difficult. I think if you look forward with distributed teams, it only gets more complex. And so how are we going to do that in a simpler way when it's actually getting more complex and making it easier for the users? And how do I find the content I need? Or how do I find the data I need to make a decision? That's crucially important around innovation in our industry.
0: Obviously, when it comes to a technology company as, as, as we are, part of what we have to do to try to innovate, I guess, is to experiment, is to try new things. So there's, there's two, two elements to that. One is, how important is it that we experiment? And the other thing is, how actually important is it that at times we fail and then learn from that?
1: Yeah, you have to fail. If you're not failing, you're not innovating, or you're not innovating fast enough. I mean, you, you can innovate and not fail, but it, you you have to worry that you're not either innovating enough or innovating fast enough to fail. You want to fail, but you want to fail fast and you want to make a decision quick and move on. And um, that's important. And and so that's a that's a change of culture we're going through as a company. And I think it's important for all companies to clean our, our customer base, whether you're a broadcaster media company or a post house, you name it. You've got to try things to be willing to fail. And I think our industry in the past has not been really uh, mindful of failure. It's almost failure was not an option. It's kind of the concept of our industry. And I think that we all have to realize that we've got to try things and fail because that's how innovation happens. And so it's pretty important. It's a good, it's a good question, Greg. It's something I, I worry about that we we won't fail enough, which means we're not innovating fast enough.
0: One thing to pick up on on your previous answer, Jeff, you spoke about big data, and big data is something that other industries have used for a long time. Look at medical, look at financial technologies. They've used them for a long time. So is it also the case that the media industry has to look around, and has to learn from other industries, perhaps in ways that they, they wouldn't necessarily have thought, I can actually benefit from something that's been done elsewhere?
1: Yeah, I think we do. But I think we also, we're a unique industry. And I think that we... We're not just dealing with data about a, a certain thing or like, you know, like your customer or your or your I mean, that's important, obviously. But there's so much data we have in an industry from how how content was created, information about that content, information about everything that feeds to that content. Doesn't matter whether you're in news or sports or or entertainment data is so important. We as an industry have kind of managed things in, in really compartmentalized siloed ways, not always very efficiently. That has to change, I think, because data is so important, especially new business models, to drive how people dis- make decisions, uh, how they inform their engagement with their consumer or their their viewer. So I think it's going to be important we do that. And, and that, again, only gets more complex in the distributed world where, where everything is not, let's say, at the headquarters in one big monolithic storage environment. Now it can be everywhere. It can be in users' devices. It can be in a number of of areas. And so how do you ensure that, you know, you can virtualize all that data and and keep it connected so that you're not using a bunch of human intervention to try to put data back together with content or or to put different elements of data together? I think we are, as an industry, I mean, there's some examples that are pretty impressive, best-in-class examples, but I think we are, as an industry, collectively, in the early days of becoming more sophisticated. And yes, we've got to look at other industries that have gotten really good at, at using data in their business models. Something else that I guess the, the the
0: media industry is still in its early days at is actually looking at environmental considerations. You know, we we've done a podcast episode, you know, here in the UK with the we are with the Albert Organisation, which obviously looks um, at uh, at helping companies reduce their carbon footprint and, and, and work in those ways. It was something that came up in the voice of the customer event that we we attended in in London. Jeff, is this something as it's not just about being good corporate citizens, but this is something that's kind of fundamental to the future, and I wonder how that plays into how we develop our own solutions and, and act as a business.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think we've got to do more as a company. We, you know, in our journey as a company, and when I took over as CEO, this is one of our priorities, but we didn't make it the early priority because we had other things to, to focus on as a company, but what we call ESG, or environmental, social, and, and governance issues, which are important to our customers, to our users, to our partners, and, and even to our investors, it's very important that we are, are focused on this. And so we've got a number of areas that we're, we're looking at in this regard. I think we talk about the, the impact to, um, let's say, the, the, the sustainability. Um, as an industry, I think, again, back to cloud, cloud is an area. Well, helping if we can help our industry work in distributed ways, so that people don't have to commute to work every day or don't have to live in an urban environments or don't have to consume the same, you know, foot carbon footprint to, to do their job. If we can use cloud to do that, which, you know, it's, it, obviously, you, know, you look at hyperscale providers, they're on a journey themselves, but they're making huge strides in how they're creating environments that are very, very or have a very, very, uh, significantly improved footprint from a carbon footprint is one example. So I think that when, when we leverage these technologies in an industry, we are helping feed that. We are helping or improve that as a as an industry. So when we look at our development of, prog- of products, we're looking at that very closely. Where we do have to do build hardware, we're being very careful about, you know, how we build that hardware and how the hardware is going to impact, you know, our, you know, our environment as a world. Um, but again, I think the more we can stop shipping things around and, and, and moving things all over the place and the more, less people have to travel. I mean, I, I think in general, there's so much as an industry that we're benefits we're going to be able to to have and and do our part. I think it's going to be important. So it's an important part of our strategy. It's got to continue to be a more important part every day going forward. And uh, the UK is a great example of where people where the I think the society and your culture and the industry has really been leading the way. And I, I think they're a good example for our whole whole industry to follow.
0: So Jeff, we, we've covered lots of ground there in terms of, you know, lots of different aspects that have come up in the podcast from all various discussions that uh, um, that, that we have had. If you can look, you know, forward, say six months or, or a year, you know, what do you think are going to be the big changes between, you know, where we are today and, and where we get to in about a year's time?
1: I don't think there's going to be, I wouldn't say any big changes are ahead, Craig. I think that I, I would say that we're going to make a lot of, Movement towards this kind of future state that we, as an industry, I think see it. And I want to talk to most customers and and users around the world. They all see kind of that future state of a very virtualized, you know, um, world for how they work and how teams are going to work very distributed around the world, and 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 kind of how their workflows are looking at you know creating content in a digital first, you know, kind of environment. Um, I think that that's going to I think we're going to see over the next six or twelve months. is just progress. It's just, I think, pretty solid progress. If you, if you probably, if you and I talk a year from now, though, we talk all the time. But I think we talked on this podcast a year from now. Hopefully, what I'm going to tell you is that we've made great strides as a company, delivering on some of the solutions that we intend to deliver to help these these very issues I talked about. But also, I think we're going to see our customers have made a lot of progress towards their transformation plans. And and I think I think we'll have some. I think we'll have a lot more examples in the industry of, of successful transformation a year, six months or a year from now. Uh,
0: so Jeff, um, I know you listen to the podcast because you you know, you talked to me about it. Um, so you know there is one final question that I do ask everyone um, on the podcast. So what is it, if anything, that keeps you up at night?
1: Ah, <laughs> yeah, I've heard it a lot, but you know, it's funny, I've heard this podcast, didn't even think about the fact you're going to ask me that question. Um, I, I think that probably what keeps me up at night is just worrying about how we as a company are going to meet the needs of the industry to innovate and, and innovate fast i mean that's really it's thinking about you know where do we take the company where where's the most important place that avid can help the industry you know solve the problems they're facing and and i'm always thinking about you know are we doing the right thing are we prioritizing things in the right way and i think that's the most important thing that i think about that keeps me up at night and, and i think again it's there's so much we have to do. not just we have it We as technology suppliers, as an industry, have so much to do to help our customers and users meet the needs and demands of today. Uh, Hopefully, all my counterparts are, are thinking about that when they fall asleep at night. Thanks to Jeff for joining us on the
0: podcast. Now, don't forget, there's always a full transcript of the podcast available on our episode page online on the Avid website. And if you want to find out more about some of the things which we discuss with Jeff, then why not check out the show notes? There, you can discover links to a recent webinar which demonstrated how distributed teams can work together. And also an article with the CTO of American broadcaster Sinclair discussing their use of the cloud. Don't forget, you can check out all our previous episodes from Seasons 1 and 2 on your podcast platform of choice. We're available in lots of places. And subscribe to get notified when new episodes are out. You can always contact us with feedback. On email, we are makingthemedia at avid.com. And on social, I'm Craig A W One 1969 on both Twitter and Instagram. Thanks to our producer, Matt Diggs. Thanks to you for listening and stay subscribed for more episodes coming soon with those making the media.